Hi, everybody. Welcome to Marketing Ops Confessions. Another beautiful Thursday with another amazing Marketing Ops hero with us today. Uh, I am excited to be joined by Brandon Benjamin from PagerDuty, who I will give a proper introduction to in just a moment. But I want to cover, as we always do, just a few housekeeping items first. Please use the chat. We love to hear from you. That's a great place to share your LinkedIn. If you like something that Brandon's saying, it resonates with you, share your thoughts on that in the chat. Um, we also have a very fun emoji reaction in the toolbar that you can use to show some love to what Brandon is also saying, uh, sharing today. Uh, everyone's muted today. If you have a question, please use the questions tab. Also, we'll try to catch questions in the chat too, just in case they do flow in there. And we do record these sessions. All of the recordings live on our past recordings page. If you, you'll be redirected to the landing page, the registration page after the event. And there is a uh, button that will then take you to the past recordings page. You can get them all there. Um, if this is your first time with us today, then you know, or you probably don't know, that we are running um, a few different giveaways. So um, we're almost wrapping up with our June giveaway. We are choosing three lucky winners to get a Wink Wine subscription. Very exciting, helping you, you know, feel some summer fun. And as we move into July, our third season of Marketing Ops Confessions, we're actually going to be shifting and we're going to be giving away... Um, we're buying you lunch. So if you attend sessions, you will get a uh, Uber Eats gift card. And all you have to do is attend. Um, and yeah, excited to announce the June winner uh, early next week. Okay, without further ado, I'm excited to introduce Brandon Benjamin. He is the um, marketing technology manager at PagerDuty and also has lots of loyal clients on the consultancy side of things as well. And very exciting that he is a Marketo 2021 champion and certified expert. Um, he really has a lot of expertise from digital marketing, including RevOps, account-based marketing, email marketing, you name it. He's got a load of certifications as well. And we're going to dive into all of that today. So you're, you're welcome. Really laying, you're really laying it on thick, huh? I'm just hyping you up. <laughs> All right, how's it going, Brandon? I'm good, I'm good, I'm happy to be here. I've uh, been following you all for a while, so I'm excited and elated to be chosen to you know, share my experiences in marketing ops, and hopefully I say some things that are um, good takeaways to be you know, applied in all of your organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive in, and we've got a couple great questions. And again, please ask Brandon your questions. He is a great person to, you know, whether you're on the consulting side or you're in-house, he can cover all of that ground. Um, so definitely use the questions tab and, and get your questions submitted. Um, so what I want to talk about first is when we first started discussing you coming on this series, you said operations need to be needs to be rethought. And I agree. And I want to know from you, like, let's let's understand why. Why does operations need to be rethought, and how do we do that? Yeah. So, I I think so. So when an organization is starting off, I think they think about, uh, well, who's going to build our product? Um, 
how are we going to eventually sell it? How are we going to market it and so on and so forth? But I think people are starting to realize that when you get to a meaningful level of uh, product market fit um, and, you know, you have tons of people that want your product and, and um, you're, you're selling and you're going through these motions, you, you can't do everything yourself forever, ever. And you need to think about scale. You need to think about process and, and so on. Uh, and I think that's where operations starts to come in. And, you know, there's like, how do we hire people? How, uh, you know, do we run our company financially? So on and so forth. Those things are usually the things people think about first, but revenue operations, uh, specifically marketing and sales ops and customer service ops, uh, processes and technologies and whatnot, those are usually not at the forefront of the early stages uh, of the formation of the company you know, first 50, 100 people. So uh, a lot of choices of your tech stack, of your processes and so on and so forth, those things are uh, done in a very shotgun approach. They're not really thought through very well. And then you get to the point where you've got a first, uh, like a director of, of ops, they've got to come in and, and they, they've got to come in like the savior, fix everything and uh, maybe evaluate new technology and so on. And then I think that's where the, Waterboy WD40 type of uh, analogy comes in where we're just like the order takers. And, mm -hmm. and that's just not the right way to think about it. Ops folks today are so close to the data at your companies, at your all's companies, that they know what they probably know what the customer is going to do next. They know like what content is going to perform well, uh, what emails, what webinars. Uh, what things in in actually maybe even the sales side, if you're on the sales op, sales uh, op side, are going to work well, right? Just because of the nature of the role. And they're usually not brought in in the strategy or the process of, for, you know, forming of, uh, of how you're going to go to market until decisions are made of how you're actually going to do that, right? So we need to be brought in way before that so that we can advise on, you know, from past experiences and current, you know, what's the best approach to, to actually target your, your customer, uh, to target prospects. You know, when you get to a meaningful level of scale, what do we need to be thinking about on the technology side, on the process side, so that we can scale, right? That, that processes are not breaking down when you need to triple your revenue, when you need to triple your headcount, right? Uh, we're the folks that are thinking about those things and we need to be at the forefront, not, you know, the order takers, not, you know, the ancillary or the afterthought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agree. And I think we've had that conversation a lot on this series, which it's always great to, to hear it reiterated because it's very clear that we need to get there. But like, what's the strategy? Like, How do we get there? How do we make sure that we don't get left behind at the incarnation of things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a part of it is a, an executive function to communicate strategy to the rest of the org. And if your organization isn't doing that, then that's an issue. Uh, and, and strategy, you know, is essentially, you know, what makes your product or service different from everyone, the customer has so many different options to choose from. They have so many different uh, ways to, to create a product or a service today. So, you know, so, so like marketing technologies, the landscape's humongous, right? 
So carefully thinking about your customer and why your product is a, is a good fit for them and communicating that is like an executive function and your team needs to do that. It's your responsibility on the other side to uh, go out and seek that, seek, seek that information, making sure that you understand what the strategy is at your org and then thinking about your decision-making needs to use that framework, right? So don't think about how uh, how many emails can we send with this platform? Uh, how can we you know, track uh, what people are doing on a site or so on and so forth? Think about like how the decisions that you're doing with the technology influence the strategy that your team has like put in place. That's the framework of how you think through things. Once every decision that you make, uh, you apply that strategy lens to it, you will almost certainly be the stakeholder, you know, in your, you know, in that function in the marketing function, sales function or whatever it is, because you're thinking through, uh, you know, what the company wants to do in six to 12 months. And you're thinking through how the processes need to change to do that, as opposed to, uh, well, what new vendor can we bring in to do this, you know, niche thing that is meaningful only to us or maybe some other person? Yeah. And I, I actually pulled a quote that you just said and put it in the chat because I liked it so much. Strategy is what makes your product or service different. And I think that's so true, especially in such a such a saturated market where we're all using the same tools and pretty much, you know, like we have lots of different variations of tech stacks. But at the end of the day, we're all using the same core technologies. And it's the way that you're going to use them that's going to help you be unique in your approach to reaching your audience and giving them what they need. Um, you mentioned RevOps. I picked that up earlier. And I think there's a kind of like a misunderstanding of like sales ops, rev ops, marketing ops. Like what's the difference between all of these? Like how do they fit? How do they stack against each other? Um, I know like there's an umbrella of rev ops and um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll let you take it obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, if you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers, I think. But uh, there's a guy named Chris Walker um, who you've probably seen and he actually gave a pretty strong definition that I agree with that. It's like the systems engineering, uh, you know, for the, the, the organizations. And when you think about systems engineering, there are many different functions to make the system work. So it's not just, I think a lot of people conflate sales and sales operations with revenue ops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's a very limited focus, right? Cause if you put all your resources into your sales processes and your sales operations, your marketing processes and operations and your customer service operations and processes are not going to be as robust, right? Mm -hmm. So you might be able to bring in a lot or, or you might be able to sell to the demand and meet that demand very well, but you might not be able to refine what that demand is on the marketing side or keep it on the CS side, right? So you need to not only think about those functions, marketing, sales, and CS ops, but there are other functions in the org there's the data folks there's the finance folks uh there's so many different sources of operations in an organization and you know we really need to think about the synergy there of how the systems and the processes and the strategy that drives all of that come together to make sure that the organization is functioning 
you, you know, properly and can predict uh, uh, demand and revenue and all these other things. And I know that sounds kind of abstract because I think it's still developing, but it really is a, you know, it's bringing all of the, the systems and the operations at an org together to uh, bring in revenue, close the revenue and keep it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that made me think of a question that's a, maybe a little bit of a curveball, so I apologize, but you mentioned data and I think data is so critical to this piece of the pie, but has always kind of been sitting out here and right. not yeah. a lot of people have access to the data itself, but also aren't building relationships with the people that own the data. And um, like in your role, in your experience, like what's the best way to approach making sure that that relationship is solid? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think that folks need to learn SQL and learn data operations because that is the lifeblood of your of what you of your ops right if you are uh trying to do and if you're trying to do attribution and you don't know where your website data is being stored and you don't know how your utm data is coming in and you don't know how your campaign structure or sales and marketing ops comes up with a campaign structure that's wildly different than the way that the folks in data uh you know create the the models that the finance team uses you're going to get different yeah. numbers right so you need to go and find who who are the administrators for looker for your database at redshift all of those things and build relationships with them right uh you all chances are you all are trying to do the same things just with different systems in a different context but it should all the data should the source should all be the same right you're just trying to tell a slightly different story like in marketing, you're trying to figure out what channels, uh, what channel mix is the most efficient, right? In sales, you, you're probably trying to define what touch, what like touch pattern gets you, you know, the most uh, conversions, or 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 what uh, processes are efficient on the sales side, so you can enable them to, you can enable your sellers to be more efficient. Or in CSI, it's all a slightly different story but the data in one way or another is exactly the same. So learn how to pull the data yourself with SQL or all these other, you know, visualization tools and learn the folks who are building the pipelines to get that data or built it. And if you do that, that is a tremendous leg up on, you know, whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, I love that. Um, and we hear, we ask that question a lot, like do, should marketing ops and should marketers sometimes in some cases that own marketing ops learn SQL? And we get a lot of different answers. So um, you have a little bit of a hot take, which I like, which is yes, learn it. Um, what, 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 so the, uh, the, the non-contrarian answer to that is no, don't learn it. I think people are on the fence because I think there's a lot of marketing ops folks who have been so successful in their careers and, but they don't know SQL, right? Like they, they have been able to get where they are without it. So they're saying, but why do I need it now? Um, if I'm building these effective relationships and I'm, I understand it and I can hack my way through it if need be, um, like the most important piece is like that relationship, which you are saying they're both very important, which I agree. Yeah. I mean, short antidote, uh, for a, a client, uh, I went into with some SQL, answered the question, what sort of things 
cause people to MQL the most. Mm -hmm. So without SQL, that is a nightmare, right? You've got to like download all the activities, find the thing that MQL them for like all of the people or whatever the time range is, go into Excel. I don't even want to think about how long that would take. SQL, give me everything where they didn't MQL, then they did, time frame, enter, group by, whatever, boom, done. Put it in Excel, put some, some visualization on it, 15, 20 minutes. Like, there are just certain things that if you try to do without knowing how the data works and how to access it, it's, it's just not feasible for you to do, right? So. I, I I don't see what the argument is against it, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and for marketers too, like it's it's like we just went through this exercise. Like we're obviously a very data driven company at Mad Kudu, and we use our own tool. And I work with our our um, engineering team all the time to look at the way that we're mapping um, events. And it's critical that like we have alignment there that the way that we're thinking about campaigns because it's then directly translated into our tool and that's what's being pulled. So if I go rogue and I use a different campaign type, then that's not going to be tracked. So it's it's so important, you know, at a data-driven company, obviously, but even elsewhere that you can kind of like start that relationship and start that conversation. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's move on a little bit because I think you are in such an interesting role because you are at PagerDuty, getting getting stuff done there, and then you also are consulting, which is amazing. So you have a really unique perspective of being in house and client side at the same time, and I think that we ask a lot of people on the series like, how do they encourage tech stack growth? How do they protect their tech stack? in-house because i think that that's easier to do you have more control but how do you do that on the consultancy side yeah i mean i think so we were talking about this a little bit before that you know you like steve jobs kind of defines that like being a consultant like it's like a 2d view of like your work like you never get a lot of depth of your recommendations. You make the recommendations and you really don't live or die by them. Yeah. But I, you know, and I think that's because of the general like approach that's taken place. But I think what makes your consultant, what can make your consultancy different is we'll know like our recommendations are our rep, are, is our reputation, right? So we want to know, okay, well, what's the context of why this technology is in place? Like, mm -hmm. uh, what who made these decisions what were you trying to do when you were trying to accomplish these decisions right discovery more or less but i i think you know a answering or asking rather really uh pointed questions and i think having the context of working in like that ic role helps mm -hmm. you to make that impact on the consulting side right to make appropriate recommendations so when you're giving your recommendations you can say to the client based on what we've done with our clients and previous experience, in order for you to do whatever you're looking to do with the business, you need mm -hmm. such and such things in the tech stack to support that, right? So it shows empathy that uh, you've been in that in the past, you've been in that role in the past and you know what can go wrong as opposed to just making a blind recommendation. So, I, you know, to circle back, 
understand why the decisions were made before you make recommendations. And then once you understand the context, then look at what the client is trying to accomplish and answer the question in, a, in an agnostic way, right? Don't try to like shoehorn a technology into what they're trying to do, but mm -hmm. pick something that fits, you know, what they're, how they're trying to go to market and, and uh, whatever solution they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I also have a consulting background. I come from an agency and that's actually like the first half of my career was all agency. I think that everybody should work at an agency or consult at some point because like you were saying, you pick up, I mean, you have to be an such an active listener and it is a skill that you can learn by working at an agency and having multiple clients where you have to listen to everything that they're saying and take out the most important pieces and then figure out, translate that. What are they really asking for? What's the real problem here? And then deliver back, you know, a strategy or, or a way to tackle that. Um, maybe, maybe people can say in the chat, you know, if they're, if they're in-house or if they're, if they're client side, I'd be curious to see the split there between everyone here. But um, one thing that I think will be interesting to talk about too is I know that we both have experienced this where you provide a recommendation and there's just like no meeting in the middle and your client doesn't want to do that. You're recommending something else. And like, how do you compromise? How do you figure out, you know, how to set your boundaries and, and, and communicate that to your clients? Well, I don't, I think if you show empathy in the discovery process, it's really difficult for you in, in, in your applying your recommendation through like the lens of being the, the subject matter expert. It's kind of difficult to make a recommendation where there's nothing in the middle, right? Like it's just completely, there's no way we're doing that. Um, sometimes you have to make recommendations that are out of tough love, uh, kind of like, where there's not much we can salvage here. You do need to start over. So taking those out, um, I think that's where you can separate yourself in terms of the type of clients that you're bringing on in your onboarding. Um, you have to, you should be willing to work with, or you should only want to work with clients that are not looking per se to be uh, proven right, but want to make an impact at the organization. So they're not, you shouldn't, you know, be looking to work with someone that is agreeing with you, right? You should want to get a recommendation that challenges you, challenges your organization to grow, to think about something different, to think about a process that you might've forgotten to invest in, like we were talking earlier, right? Um, and if they're not willing to do that, then you should question if that's a client that you want to really be working with. Totally agree. And in my experience too, like the best clients are ones that will call you a partner. They'll call you an extension of their team. They look at you as like, yeah, of course, like when I was working at Spear where, where you do some consulting too, you know, we had a lot of clients where it's like, yeah, Spear's, Spear's part of our marketing team. Yeah. Um, and those are the best clients because they do want to be challenged and they really are looking for your expertise, not just to say, yeah, that looks good. Check it off and uh, kind of be the donut makers like we were talking about before. Yeah. Shameless plug. They do that very well. So <laughs> part of the reason why I'm there. 
Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about your journey because you obviously have a lot of accolades. How many certifications do you have, sir? Uh, I lost count, but <laughs> I, I, out of seven or something like that, I don't know. I need to count. Amazing. But like something very exciting is that 2021 Marketo champion. Uh, let's stick into that because I know, um, you know, for marketing ops looking to kind of people looking to maybe earn that badge. Um, what's the process look like? What's the time commitment? What's the journey? Um, and secondarily, like what's the advice that you would give to others that want to take that journey? And maybe that comes from like, hey, I wish I would have done this differently. Yeah. So, uh you know, Marketo wasn't like the first marketing automation tool that I uh, used when I got in, but it was the tool that anchored my career in marketing operations. So I think that's like the context of why I've stayed with the platform so long and, you know, submitted myself to do that last year and, and to become a champion um, because the community has been so great and the platform has enabled me to build scalable processes and, and to you know build a scalable you know lead lifecycle and scoring and all those things, um, but I think the journey was a lot of self learning because there, when I started and even right now there's not a lot there's not a meaningful pipeline from not being in marketing technology to being in marketing technology. There are some internships that are starting to come up now. Um, but a lot of these platforms, if you don't have access, if, if they don't offer a free tier, you are at the mercy of what's on YouTube of what's in the product docs and so on and so forth. Uh, but that's shaped the way that's shaped my pedagogy. Now, when I'm learning a platform, I go straight to the, the product docs and the API docs to learn, well, how should I be using this? You know, because when you're using the API docs, that's a scalable process. These are developers that are doing hundreds of thousands of things, hundreds of things at least per second or whatever it is. So those docs are usually the best docs for how to um, you know, build something, build a process that can scale, right? So it's a lot of self-learning. You've got to be able to spend a lot of time learning how to do things correctly, learning the terminology. Um, learning how to translate ambiguous requests into the tech. I think the switch into maybe being a practitioner to being a champion is that at your organization, Marketo or, you know, is not seen as just a tool, but it's driving demand, right? It, it's connecting different data points and it's connecting the sell, seller's data and the marketing data together to drive revenue, right? And if you can, understand the requirements of what your stakeholders are asking you to do and translate that into the tech into a scalable process i think you've made that switch into what they're looking for they're looking for people to champion the product not only because of the the technical side of it but translating that to drive marketing success and to track it and you know to continue to to you know drive it at your organization right so I think if you focus on that, you're you're well on your way. I think join in the community and be willing to challenge yourself, right? Be willing to post a process 
that you may or may not think is scalable in the community. There are many different Slack communities that you can say, hey, what do you all think about this? What am I not thinking through, right? As opposed to thinking, you know, we put so much time and effort into the processes that we built. Sometimes we don't want to be, we don't want people to point out the flaws in it, right? We don't want people to ask, well, did you think about this? Did you think about that? But you need to do that in marketing technology and in sales technology and all of these different platforms because this is the big leagues. Like this is the data that drives the organization, right? If your company is a public company, the data that's flowing through Marketo and into your attribution tool is ending up in that uh, reporting every quarter that your CEO announces. It needs to be accurate within a certain degree of, uh, of percentage of accuracy, right? You cannot be willing to keep a process that is not scalable or uh, 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 accurate because you put so much time into it and you don't want to be challenged. You need to constantly be making that process better, constantly be thinking about how can we make this more scalable? How can we make how can we bring in other stakeholders to think about how we thought through this and how to make it better? I think if, if you apply that lens to your career, uh, you will, you know, get to that point where you, you, you they'll want you to be a champion as well. Great advice. Yeah, very well said. Um, and I'll say too, like plus one on kind of like consulting agency because you have that education budget where you have to learn various tools. Your clients are not just typically not just using one tool. Um, if you're an individual consulting, you know, doing consulting, you might control that more so. But if you're in an agency, you're probably bringing in clients that have HubSpot, that have Pardot, that have Marketo, that have yeah. a variety, you know, within their tech stack. And it is the responsibility of the agency to ensure that there are people on the team that are well versed in all of those technologies. Therefore, you know, if you're when you're in an agency, you have that budget to get Marketo certified, get HubSpot certified, and have the whatever tools you need to do so. And and usually you have you know uh, an instance that you can play around in too. Yeah, yeah, that that helps a ton, right? But if you don't have like an instance to play with, uh, I think you you still got to put in a a meaningful level of effort into finding how people have done stuff on YouTube or the Marketo Nation website that is an enormous site, right? And people are talking about things that they've done all the time. I agree with what you're saying, but if you don't have the opportunity to work at a consulting agency or you're looking to break into marketing technology or whatnot, there are ways for you to get that knowledge, right? And you just have to be willing to put in the time, you know, to become a, a skilled practitioner, but I agree, you know, everybody should be a consultant because it just unlocks a lot of opportunities that you might not have in-house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like you said too, I think we're starting to see more pull on um, like that pipeline to where we know that like, you don't learn this in college. Like what, like what do, are you, am I using the four P's that I learned? Like that was like the thing in marketing. Yeah, that's not what's driving my career forward here. Um, and then marketing ops, even less so, right? Technology, even less so. So I think we're starting to see more organizations um, kind of spearhead, like we need, like highway education, for example. Like we really need to make sure that 
folks coming out of university have these skills or partnering with university to, you know, develop the programs that can then ensure there's this like smooth transition into these roles, these marketing ops roles or these tech heavy roles that, you know, they're not getting those skills previously. And Scott Hamid was actually on on last week and he was saying, uh, which I think is important to repeat, is, is that there's a there's a call to action here, not just for education and, and academia, but also for marketing leaders, marketing ops leaders to kind of um, guide and shape that program. And if you're a CMO at a company and and or you know at, at any leadership level, and you know one day you're going to need to fill these roles, you should be advocating for this education because it is a need that you're you either have currently or will become acute at some point. And the talent pool is dependent on that education earlier on in people's careers. Yeah. No. I'm I agree with that 100 percent yeah i i think organizations need to think about how I, I think in ops we should get better at promoting our work mm -hmm. uh and i think something that's tied to that is how can we be better at educating the organization on not only what is it that we do and how we do it but here's our methodology right so if someone who's in your organization wants to learn well what's this marketo thing what's this hubspot thing what is it what's pardot or so on and so forth there is a wiki or whatever the case is to learn about it well this is what we this is how we use it this is how we uh do programs this is how uh leads get to the sales team um you know that in and of itself promotes self-learning right and, and you can create this pipeline in your org for uh, talent, you know, because where someone starts in their career at your org might not be where they end. So, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be thinking about that as well internally. Yeah, yeah. And is that something that you've been able to implement at PagerDuty or is that something that you really kind of, um, a framework that you use for your clients? Uh, I've, I've, I've tried to do it everywhere, um, okay. but, other things take priority. Yes, always. <laughs> Other fires take priority. Uh, you know, doc documentation has been one thing that I have wanted to get better at coming up with in terms of like a process mm -hmm. for. Um, but it, it's something that I, 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 you know, it's a slight weak spot for me. So you know, yeah. I, I, you know, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to find time for documentation and um you have you just have to even if it's like chicken scratch like here one day at least it's out of your brain onto paper and hopefully saved somewhere on your computer or you know the the cloud <laughs> yeah um okay back to certifications we were talking about this earlier um so what are you, what's your stance on certifications you obviously have quite a few um, so I feel like I know what your stance is, but interested to hear and have you share with others, like why, why, why do you take the time to get certified in so many things? Why do you think it's important that others should do that? Well, I started getting certifications as a, I'm going to be very, I'll, I'll be a little transparent in my career. When I started with Marketo, I literally, Marketo used to do these, uh, 
specializations where uh, you could pay to take a, uh, a test to prove that you know how a certain function works, like email, deliver email deliverability or attribution or whatever the case is. I literally paid to learn like these, to look at these questions. Okay, I see what they're asking. I have no idea what I'm answering, right? Um, but those were, that was a hack for me to, because the docs can only take you so far. Those exams, there are a few out there that really apply that whole lens of strategy and process to their questions. I think the uh, MCE exam is one of those. Um, I, I want to, I think the Salesforce ones might be like that as well. And then I do think there is this tier of ones that there's a lot of energy and effort and testing that it takes to get them. And then I do think below that, there's a slight uh, side of, of marketing that is uh, uh, used to, pro you know, it's a marketing tactic uh, more so than pedagogy, right? Um, take that how you want it, <laughs> how you want to. But um, I, I, I think there is a, a very discreet line there. Um, I, I think you should get certified in the platforms that you are being an, an admin in. But I do think there are very bright people and very powerful users of platforms that are not certified, right? So I think, you know, if you're, you know, coming up with a job rec and you're you're interviewing someone that doesn't have a that has an administration, you know, they're they're certified, but can't really communicate how to turn a process into how to turn a technical process into solving a business problem. I think that that's less meaningful than someone who is not certified but knows the platform and is actually talking through the strategy with you in an interview. Well, here's what I would do. Like what is it, you know, asking about your problem and saying, well, I would do this and I would do this and I'd do that and I would go get the data from here. And I think that is way more impactful than someone who's got, you know, a laundry list of certifications but can't really communicate that in a uh, business acumen. Yes, plus 1,000. Certification does not always equal expertise and experience. Um, yeah. You have to be able to translate that to, you know, execution and strategy um and and i was telling brandon earlier like for me a lot of the times it is self-taught right so like you know many people know the tool like the back of their hands before they get the certification um you know i i'm certainly in that boat where i taught myself how to use hubspot i taught myself how to do a lot of the marketing ops things that i do today and um and then I got certified <laughs> because it's really that proof, like you were saying, like I am well versed in, in this at a high at the highest level. Um, and I also can, you know, get it done strategically and, and build it out in execution execution wise. Um, OK, so, yes, yeah, so true for marketers. Very, very true. Any any last minute thoughts, any advice or. Um, you know, thoughts that you want to share with everyone before we wrap up? Um, I, I mean, be willing to, I, I think this was, we were talking about this uh, before, uh, I, you know, be willing to learn different platforms, mm -hmm. uh, have a platform that you, you know, you like, and you're the most comfortable with. I think I 
think people should be T-shaped in that regard. Uh, but you should know how to, there is a certain level of, um, uh, ma not mastery, but a certain level of, of uh, understanding that you should have across you know, most platforms, right? I think you should be willing and curious to learn how different platforms work because mm -hmm. you can end up at an organization that uh, your organization could change the way they, they could change their go to market. They could go from a certain type of growth to maybe product led growth. And now, you know, maybe you keep your, your B2B model, but maybe, you know, there's like a platform like Mad Kudu, you, you want to pull in user data into that um, <clears throat> business, you know, the, the business and the lead scoring and all that. Maybe you want to marry that somehow to understand how people are uh, uh, using your product and you know gain more insights out of that, as opposed to what you know about them firmographically and uh, uh, technographically and etc. Uh, you know you need to be willing to learn how these platforms work. And again, it's about the data. Where does the data come from to power these things? Uh, but you know, don't tie yourself to one platform. Learn how other things work. I, I think that's another recommendation I would make. And um, just be a lifelong learner and spend a lot of time on YouTube and communities and be willing to help people with, mm -hmm. you know, work through their solutions and whatnot. Cause karma is like a huge thing in the industry, positive karma. Like, you know, people are always willing to refer you because of yeah. something you help them do. You know, that's another thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice and relationships, build, build mm -hmm. relationships, take the time to network mm -hmm. and find your people. Um, we have a couple questions. So let's pull one up here from Corey. If you were to learn SQL, how would you start doing that? How good do you have to be before you can become dangerous and effective? Oh, Corey. Dangerous <laughs> and effective are, are they could be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a great question. Let's let's highlight how that is a it, that's a good question. Um, so the way that I would go about it is I'm, I'm the type that I need to know how something works. So usually in my experience, someone learns about it. If they've never heard it about heard about it before, someone learns about it in their org from like the visualization tool. Like um, they, if you use Tableau or if you use uh, Power BI or Looker or all these things, Somewhere in there, if you're having a conversation with someone, if the conversation is not relevant to you, SQL's mentioned, Redshift, all these things are mentioned. Um, and I'm the type, I'm like, well, what is that, right? And I would go down the rabbit hole of like Googling and, and, and I would get it right. I, I've got to learn how it works. Uh, if you're not like that, you know, there are very good self-learning uh, videos, there are very good self-learning platforms. Uh, there's one on YouTube, the CS50, which is like the computer science program at Harvard. They have a really good series on not just SQL, but web programming, uh, uh, security, all of these other things that I, I didn't pay for any courses. I took, I went through that video series and I looked at all the examples that they were showing. And then I uh, Googled it and looked to see, you know, I tested it. I went into the, the database. Now, don't do this if you don't know what you're doing. Right? You, you need to work with someone at your org and say, hey, look, I want to learn how to do this. What's the best way to do it? Right? And there's usually like a staging 
database or something like that where you can query and mess your queries up and they fail and you spend 50 or 60 times trying to correct it and make it right but yeah. that's how you build that muscle so I, I i think you know that's the way that i've went down that path and learned it Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. I just put the link to um, the Harvard CS50 class in there. Um, okay, another question here. If your current, current org doesn't use CRMs like HubSpot or Salesforce, interesting I'll say that you categorize HubSpot as a CRM first. Um, not that it's wrong, but what are some ways that they can prepare the market themselves for new career opportunities in the MOPS field? Did I distract you? I, I almost <laughs> said something about your response, but I'll, I'll let that go. Um, I, I think that um, you should, there's two things there. Well, whatever your company's using, I think that the uh, principles are the same. And I think that that will help you. Those principles will help you in the field more so than tying yourself to a tech stack. Uh, or to a platform. However, I, I think those things end up going hand in hand because uh, usually, you know, if the platform is doing their, their, their job with the product docs, they're tying it back to like what kind of problem you're trying to solve for. And like, this is how you use this to do that. Um, so I, I think, you know, understanding, well, what does your organization use for CRM? What do they use for marketing automation? What are some of the challenges that they're having with those platforms, right? Uh, the data isn't making it from the CRM to the marketing automation platform. Well, dive into that, right? Lean into that because you will, that going on the path of answering that question is the best type of self-learning, right? And, and you're helping the organization with something that's a key problem and they'll be willing to invest in that, right? If you're helping them solve this problem, they'll be willing to invest in that. Um, I, I think this question is getting into the fact that these platforms are, they have a large market share. So it's really hard if you don't have access to the platform to learn it. And I'm sensitive to that and I understand that. So I do think there are, again, a lot of uh, good videos on YouTube that will help you learn the UI help you learn. I think HubSpot offers a free uh, tier where you can, you learn how, you know, what are active lists and static lists and all those things, how workflows work. You know, I, th I think, you know, that helps you with just how to use the platform. And then the certification classes are also a good uh, path there to just, you know, accelerate the learning. Um, so it isn't a one size fits all approach, uh, but you know, diving into the problems at your org is definitely a way to solve for that. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll to I'll mention too, like you said, free certifications. Like look for those, look for those that are you don't have to pay, you don't necessarily need an instance, but you can couple, you know, what Brandon's saying about okay, I watched a really great YouTube video and there's this free certification, and I think I can kind of connect the education and the knowledge that I took from that and take this certification successfully. So look for those opportunities too. Uh, okay, we have one more question. This is a good one because I know you know Python. So what are your thoughts about learning Python? <laughs> uh, I'm going to, well, I, I mean, I, I think uh, I want to try to, I guess, contextualize this, but I think why 
someone would ask that is that Python has a lot of uh, uh, components to it that makes it very easy to work with in terms of the data, right? It's got a lot of like SQL based uh, 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 functionality in it that uh, allows you to, 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 you don't see it behind the hood, but it allows you to access the data a lot more uh, efficiently. And it's usually the, the tool of choice for it in, uh, along with R and SAS for uh, data scientists and data engineers. Um, but I do think people should learn it. Yeah, uh, 100% uh, agree that you should learn how uh, to use it to access data and to solve your problems. Uh, to take a step back, I do think you should learn programming concepts uh, because they're applicable to things in uh, operations. Uh, how control flow works, uh, basically how, you know, you can get into a, a, like a, a race condition and how to solve for that. Like those things apply because these systems are built from a uh, program. They, they were programmed, right? So even though you see like an interface, uh, a lot of the ways, a lot of how you use it optimally, uh, opt uh, a lot of the ways that how you optimize your usage of the platforms, a lot of those principles from programming can be applied to, to that. So I do think, you know, people should just invest in learning, you know, just how programming works and how data transfer works and how APIs work. I think those things are critical in operations. Yeah, that was really good advice. Um, and something that we haven't heard before about um, programming, I think is really important. Um, and if you are younger, well, well, kids don't get to teach themselves how to like code on MySpace anymore. But like that's how I learned HTML. Oh, MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think it exists anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like one or two people probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I digress. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Brandon. We had almost a one hundred percent engagement rate with our attendees today. So thank you for sticking around. Uh, I think that's a testament to, to Brandon, your advice and your knowledge that you're willing to share with us today. And just a quick, a quick plug before we, before we drop off here, we have another amazing session. We're skipping a week. So uh, the July 4th holiday, we, we will not have um, an episode next week. However, we'll, we are back with season three, July 8th. And we have Niha Dadbawala, oh, I apologize, Niha, uh, Director of Digital Marketing Operations at McAfee. And that's gonna be a good one. Our entire season three lineup is, is amazing as well. So we hope to see you back. And again, thank you so much, Brandon, and thanks to the audience for being here today. Thank you, you've been great.